12, if you turn there. Verses 1 and 2, actually verse 2, we tried to tackle verse 1 last week. What would you consider yourself normally, mostly? Would you consider yourself a conformist or a non-conformist? Do you really fall in line most of the time with everybody else, or do you find yourself maybe wanting to be different than everybody else? How many would say you're, by and large, a conformist? That would be normally. How about non-conformist? How many are not committing to either one publicly? All right, good, all right. <laughs> Twelve two, don't be conformed to this world, but strong adversative. There's a comparison. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thus the title tonight, A New Way of Thinking. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. Same word acceptable in verse 2, that was in verse 1. Those are marks of sacrifices that were acceptable and offering in a temple situation. So again, this is a worship thing. We haven't lost the worship theme from verse 1. We're just explaining a little bit more about what a, if you want to say, hey, be a living sacrifice. Well, what is a living sacrifice? Let me show you what it is. It's someone who doesn't conform themselves, but is also transformed the verb transform is passive, which means that someone has to aid you and help you in doing it. You can't just transform yourself. So we're confronted with that. Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight, and then I'm going to make some applications. There's 13 slides, so guess we're not making that tonight. Um, but I want to tell you something about worldliness, because here's what the verse says. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If I told you tonight, what is worldliness? Or I asked you, what is worldliness? Or I would say to you, if I came up to you and said, oh yeah, what, you, that is so worldly. What do you think, by and large, the average person would be referring to when they said, wow, that is just so worldly? What do you think they'd be referring to most times? Material. What? Material things. Okay. What else? I mean, Immoral things? Yeah, you're so worldly because your morals are so skewed compared to Scripture. What else would you say? You're so worldly, you, you know, what, you, go ahead. Marty. S say it one more time, brother. Okay, good. Good, you, you're still my stuff. Go with that, everybody else does, okay? Thinking, yeah, that's my, that's my main thought tonight, yes. But most of the time, wouldn't we think, you are worldly, you're listening to some crazy wild music, you are being immoral, you're wearing something so you know, provocative or, or something like that. You're, you know, some, you are so into money and everything it could buy, you're, you're, you know, or whatever else it is. Most of the time, it's some externalism things, your world. But again, here, here's the thing. The scripture says, don't be conformed to this world. And the word world, and this is a little Greek lesson for you, cosmos, which we get cosmetics from, is the typical word for world, but it's not the one here. This is Ionion, and it's five times used in Romans. Four out of the five times, it's translated forever. Because normally, it's translated eternal. When you have eternal life, 
the word eternal is this word in front of it. Um, so what it means most of the time is something that's going to last forever. And here in this text it says, don't can be conformed to this world, this age, this. You know why? Because this world and compared to eternity is temporary. So here's my definition on this text. What would worldliness be? I put worldliness as patterns of thinking or living that leave God and eternity out of the equation. Okay? And I'll say it again. Worldliness is patterns. Watch. Almost every time the word worldly or world is used in that sense, it describes people who are lost, not people who are saved. Okay? So let me give you an example. 1 John 2, 15, maybe the most famous Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. See, they're antithetical. You can't be a, a world lover and a God lover at the same time. But you, can a Christian act worldly? Yes, they can. Can they love the world? No. They, not as a pattern lifestyle. Therefore, my definition is... Worldliness is a patterned thinking or living that leaves God and eternity out of the equation. Here's what he's saying. Don't be conformed. Don't live a pattern of life that only thinks about now. Paul uses this word in our text and more than any other New Testament writer, a couple times in the pastoral epistles, he actually adds the word now onto it to emphasize what I'm telling you tonight. He says this now world, or as the King James would have put it, this present world. It's the same word, but this present age, this time that is now. In other words, Christians are not people who are getting caught up and their whole life is wrapped around things that are going on in this world and its system. And here's the key. How do you not do that? Not your behavior change, not first, your thinking change. So when's the last time you heard someone preach a message on worldly thinking? You don't hear it. Now, let me tell you why. And in, in, in a lot of times in our circles... Worldliness is presented in a lopsided way. And why we would normally hear someone say, what is worldliness? And they would say, you're drinking, you're smoking, you're, you know. That's what, but that's, see, those are pointing out worldliness. But that's not rooting out worldliness. And so, we, and in my opinion, and I've seen it growing up in my youth group when I was that age, as a youth pastor for 10 years, I saw it all the time in teenagers, we have raised a generation to think that not being conformed to the world is only something that you do, don't do on the outside. So don't be conformed, meaning don't wear your dress too short, don't wear too many piercings, um, don't have this kind of an outfit on, don't listen to this kind of music. And, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm not against all those things. But if all you tell people is worldliness is an external conformity, you would be missing the point because there's a reason why people do all those things and not just teenagers, adults. 
Why do they do those things? Because they don't think right about them. That's why, watch, conformity is only half the equation. Not being conformed is negative. Being transformed is positive. So we, what we don't want to do is breed what I call hollow holiness. Hollow meaning it's only something that appears to be true on the outside, but is empty on the inside. So I grew up with a bunch of kids who knew what to say, how to act, how to dress when they went to church and youth group, and on the outside, they did all the in, th- those things, but they didn't have any of on the inside. Now, here's what's happened over a couple generations of that sort of thing. Now kids grow up in the church, and as soon as they graduate high school, even if not before, they don't even do the outside anymore. They used to do the outside, and then eventually the outside would match the inside, and they wouldn't be doing any of it. But now, most a lot of kids don't even bother on the outside anymore. They don't care. And their parents have struggled for years to try to get them to do the outside stuff. And, and so we've raised a generation who now says, if Christianity is all a bunch of rules that I don't do certain things on the outside, and that's all there is to it, I don't want anything to do with that. And so they find other places to go or they don't go at all. And they've abandoned it. And I believe it's because we have raised them with the wrong understanding of what worldliness is. Certainly worldliness has externalism and behavior and modesty and all the other things go with it. But with a transformed heart. An inside heart. Right? So here's what he says. Now now watch. This isn't a brand new concept. And what most people do is they know Romans 12, 1 and 2 pretty well. But most people don't know Romans 8, 29, which is only a few pages back. Here's what it says. Don't be conformed to this world is our text. 8.29 says that, you know, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are those who are the called according to his purpose, and those who are predestined, right, he says. And here's what they're predestined to. Ready? Watch. Same word. To be conformed to the image of his son. See what Paul does? He does not just say, hey, you want to not be worldly? Here's what you do. You just stop being conformed to the world. You know what he says? No, 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 no. We don't, we say no to being conformed to the world so that we can say yes to being conformed to Jesus. Folks, it's missing. That element is missing into what getting away from worldliness is all about. It's not being like the world because I choose instead to be like Jesus. So let me say it to you in plain English. Ready? Everyone in this room, including your children tonight, are being conformed to something or someone. That's what Paul says. It's either Jesus or the world. It's one or the other. And he doesn't leave a lot of middle ground, to be honest with you. And so he says, listen, conformity is a huge issue. And the question is, which one are you conformed to, he says. Because the expression of a living sacrifice and someone who really worships God and knows him is a non-conformity to the world and a conformity to Jesus. I'll give you another example. Here's the one that we all know. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. So I am crucified with Christ. Paul says at the end of the same epistle, Galatians 6 and verse 14, he says, I am crucified to the world. And what else? And the world is crucified to me. You see how it's a dualistic thing? I am crucified with Christ, yes. So I have a cruciformity that's Christocentric, but I also have a cruciformity that says, and I'm crucified to the world. So I'm crucified to the world and all it's about so that I can live out this cruciformity. And that's a choice. See, we could say it this way, another way of saying it. You're either crucified with Christ or you're crucified and you're not crucified to the world. But you have to have both ways, he says. I'm crucified to the world because I'm crucified to Christ. We have to have both of those in our lives. So that's what, now now the question is, which one are you? I believe total commitment to God is measured by the pattern of your conformity to Christ and your non-conformity to the world. That's our theme this year, total commitment. How would I know if I'm totally committed well, I'd have a positive conformity to Jesus and a, non, a negative non-conformity to the world. So we don't want to just point out worldliness, that dress, that hair, that music. We want to root it out of our children's lives and ours. How do you do that? Ready? You get transformed every day, all the time. And I would tell you that why that isn't happening, because we're teaching our kids the behavioral part, but not the thinking part. They can't think through issues biblically. We haven't taught them to, because all we really care about is don't do really bad things so you don't get in really bad trouble. And most of all, we probably would say, but we wouldn't say it out loud, so that you don't make me look bad. Right? See, here's what Paul says. Be renewed in your mind, in your thinking. Look at verse 3 now. Ready? Remember I told you last week, Paul is teaching us in chapter 12, we are to be, in light of God's mercies, a counter-cultural community. And I said, the framework of this passage throughout the chapter is six contrasts with the same structure right? Not this, but this. Ready? Ready? Not this, but this. And there's a bunch of them, right? I have them if you want to. 12.2 is the first one, which we just tackled. Verse 3, 16, 19, 20, 21. There are six of them. Not this, but this. See, that's the pattern. Cruciformed, yes. Cruciformed, no. Right? Conformed, yes. Conformed, no. Not this, but this. All throughout the chapter, that's the principle he's working off of, right? That's what what he's after. Now, how does that take place in our lives? Well, we have to change the inside as well as the outside. So verse 3, this word, he's going to use it three times at the beginning of this passage in chapter 12, and he's going to use, I'm sorry, four times, three times at the end, because what he's going to bracket it to tell you, you have got to change the way that you think about everything. And in between the beginning and end, with all those seven uses of the word think in your mind, he's going to show you what it looks like on a horizontal level. 
right? So let me show them to you. 12.3. I'm going to turn the page here. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, first time, not to think. See it? Circle it. Think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, third time, with sober judgment, and I don't know why, but the word is the word think again, think soberly. <laughs> so here, in, in one verse, think, 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 think. Think. Why? Because your mind is being renewed. Right? We got to teach people to think. So here's the, here's, the, here's the flow. Ready? Think right about God. He's the God of mercies that saved you by his mercy. We saw, right? And now we think about ourselves. Don't think highly, more highly than you ought to think. But think soberly, and he's going to tell you in a minute, this is how you think about other people. Do you see how he's telling you? You want to not be worldly. You want to really be a living sacrifice. You have to do this. I have to learn to think right about God, which will make me help me think right about myself and right, think right about others. And tell me that that isn't a huge problem in our young people's world. They don't think right about God, and because they don't have that going, they view themselves differently, and they have an identity crisis, and they want to change their gender, and they don't know whether what their morality should be and who they really are, and then they don't know about other people and how they should view them, and we have all kinds of tensions and racial issues and all kinds of economic and social strata. It's, it's a huge problem, but it all starts with this. I don't think right. I don't think right. And, and so he says, let me show you again at the end of the chapter. Verse 16, live in harmony. Now, that's a trans, good translation. It is, but it's the word think with oneness. It's the word think. It's the same word that I just showed you in verse 3. Think this way. Think this way with one another. Don't be high. Haughty is a word that means high thinking. Same word again, Right? You think, live in harmony. You know how you can live in harmony with people? You have to think not high of yourself, but what? Low of yourself. Now, that, does that not go against self-esteem, therapeutic deism? <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that what our world says? No, the answer to your problem, you know what you need to do? You need to think better of yourself. No, the Bible doesn't say, hey, the Bible says don't think less of yourself, less of yourself but think less of yourself right think more of others so see now you get it you don't have god right you don't have yourself right and you don't have others right in verse 16 he says one more time don't be haughty don't associate never be wise and here's again in your own thinking that's the little word in your own thinking. So don't think you have it down. Don't think you know better than everybody else. And so here, see the framework he's having? He says, listen, you want to be a living sacrifice. You want to not really be worldly. You want to have those things not in your life. You have to learn to think. Now hold this. Remember, counter-cultural community. Contrast this with chapter 1 of Romans. Turn back to the beginning. Epistemology is a big, hairy word that makes you sound intelligent, and it means how to know. That's all it means. How do you know things? So some authors say we live in a major problem for Christians is we are in an epistemological crisis. 
We don't know how to know things. And our world doesn't know how to know. The only thing our world knows is that you really can't know anything. And he, now watch. Remember what I told you? What are Christians? Living sacrifices that worship God in a way that's pleasing to him. And how is that pleasing to him? When they're not conformed to the world, they're conformed to Christ. And how does that happen? But when your mind is constantly being transformed on a regular basis, in contrast to this, to the world. Therefore, I'm sorry, let me go back a little bit for Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Watch. For although they knew God, this is not, I don't, I don't know him, I don't want to know him. Okay? It says, although they knew him, they didn't honor him as God. That's worldliness. No God in the equation. And give him thanks, but they became, what was the problem? What was the first problem? They were empty in their, what? Thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Watch. Claiming themselves to be wise, that they really know, and they really know how to think. They don't. They became fools. Now, when that happened, what took place? Three times, he's going to use this verb, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, when you don't think rightly about God and the world he's created and all the things in it, what happens? You get 21st century America. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because, a second time, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped. Remember, this is your liturgical life, your reasonable worship. Remember what living sacrifice? We are worshiping. What are the Romans 1 people doing? They're worshiping in a completely alternative, contrary way to what we're to be doing. That's the contrast. And it says... Serve the creature rather than the creator. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural, so they're lesbians, homosexuals, sexuality with children. Receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. Watch. And since they did not see fit, they didn't think. Can you get that? That's the same word in Romans that we're looking at in chapter 12. Here's what they, they didn't think, verse 28, to acknowledge God. So what did God do? Gave them up to a debased mind. The word debased is worthless. You see what he's telling them in Romans 12? You are the alternative to a world that has a thinking that doesn't include God, and they've gone down all these moral, physical, ungodly trails, things that you would say, this can't be. And if you didn't think them, if you don't think it includes some things, go to the end of the chapter and read the last few verses, and it includes every possible thing awful that you can think of. Watch, but in the middle of the list, it says this, disobedient to parents. 
see our kids. If we're not careful, they're not going to see in us the alternative countercultural community that we were meant to be. Church ought to be the place where they come and say, hey, here's how the world thinks and therefore how they do. This is what they're like. But that's not true in my family. That's not true with my parents. That's not true in our church. But all the while that we are different, watch, we are different by mercies. So we don't get haughty. We're not better. We're not superior. We don't just say, oh, you believe in homosexuality and transgender. You are awful. We sculpt. No, we are saved by mercy. See, we're a mercy-driven people. We stand for the truth, and we are different, but we do it on the basis of God's continual compassion to us. And we live differently. We live and think differently because we are different. We are being transformed. Last, I'll close. The two processes that mark us in a countercultural society like the church is that we're always living and dying, verse 1, right? And we're always conforming and transforming at the same time. Always not conforming and transforming. Not this, but this. Always, we've got to put both sides of the equations back into our Christianity. And we have to put both sides of the equations back into our parenting, in our living, in our decisions, and in our thinking. We've got to teach them that it's not just the outside, it's the inside, and they both matter if we're going to truly worship God and not be like the world around us. Let's pray. Father, help us. Two very densely packed verses in Paul's letter deserve much meditation. Father, we don't want to have hollow holiness. We want to be holistic holiness. We want holiness to be something that we are and something that we do. You said, be holy, be holy, for I am holy. And then in 1 Peter 1.14 it says, stop being conformed to your formal desires. Oh Lord, that's what it's about. It's, about. it's being holy on the inside and then living holy on the outside. May that mark the people of God at Faith Baptist Church. May that mark our young people. May that mark our teaching and our training and our child rearing that we might have holistic young people who grow up to understand that they say no because they need and want to say yes to you. Help us to that end, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.